Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father Almighty God, as we come before you, we come with open arms and open heart. We ask, O oh Lord, that you are kind. We pray that you make the Bible simple. Let tonight be simple and functional. Help us be more like you in our day-to-day expressions so that, Father, we receive the results that you have planned for us to receive. We thank you, Father, for tonight. Thank you for everybody who has joined and everybody in particular who has joined by podcast. We're really excited that you will take the time out of your busy day to spend it with us. We pray that the Lord blesses you. In Jesus' most holy name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, as we come before God tonight, before we go any further, um, before we, we go into the Bible study, I want to join my faith with a certain group of people. If tonight you have logged on to the Bible study and you are facing a situation where it's life or death, then I join my faith with yours. And we believe that the one who holds the keys of life and death will step into your matter. We pray tonight that God will be kind to you, that God will support you and your loved one, but most of all, that God will heal you. I join my faith with yours before we start, and I pray that as we agree in faith that it will be done for us by our Father in heaven, we declare healing over your loved ones. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, amen and amen. So anyone who is believing God for healing, we join our faith together. Good evening, everybody. And so let's dive in. And tonight, I would ask you to kindly turn in your Bible. We're going to go back to our um, the word that the Lord has spoken over our lives as a church. And I would ask you to kindly follow me as we go to Luke chapter 5. We've had um, quite a remarkable weekend, and we're very grateful for it. And so tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we're going before the Lord. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 5. And I'm going to read from verse 1. And I will read all the way to verse 11. I'm reading in the King James Version of the Bible. And the Bible says the following. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. When he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, 
they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of fishes which they had taken. And so was, so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want you to forget in any way, shape or form what God has said over our lives this year. And the Lord has said, verse four, it is launch out into the deep and the, on the other side is let down your nets for a draft. And we realize, ladies and gentlemen, that word is so strong. It goes on the back of God is doing a new thing. God is bringing in a new dawn, a new awakening. And so we hold on to this word that launch out into the deep. This is your year to step into what has been promised. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what we're going to do today, um, we're going to look at verses one to four, first and foremost, and we'll just look at what happened. Jesus comes and he says to Peter, the first thing he says is, push your boat out a little from the land. I would like to use your boat. Now, pause for a moment. Think about it. If Jesus had come and said to Peter, I really want to use your boat. But Peter's boat was leaking or broken or in a situation where it could not have been used. So we then realize that even though Peter's miracle had come, he would not have been able to take advantage of what Jesus has said. And so Jesus would have had to say, okay, let me find another boat. And so ladies and gentlemen, I want you to realize, thinking about the example of the boat. Now, if you go back to when Pastor Agle first spoke about this, he mentioned something and it was just one line. He said, we have to repair our boats so that when the Lord wants to use them, they're in a, in a right state for him to use them. And when we think about our boats, our boats, ladies and gentlemen, are our lives. Jesus wants to, your life is his vehicle to do some remarkable things. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to realize, no matter what, the Lord is, has planned that he's going to, through your life, you are going to be his vehicle into areas of places where he is needed. Um, I'll give you a scripture based upon that, and then I will keep going. Um, please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 10, verse 38. This is the example of what I'm talking about. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And the Bible says the following, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to realize is the Lord wants to do that through your life because you are now part of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Most of us have. 
And also, not only have you been filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that you have received power. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the same power that rested on Jesus is living on your inside. That means the second part of that verse must apply that God wants, as you go through life, that you and I will be the vehicles for him making a difference in the lives of many people. And so we see that in Luke chapter 5. And so there is a place, ladies and gentlemen, whereby because we have such a word over our lives, we have to look at what you would call our boat. Now, if our boat is our life, very interesting statement. If our boat is our life, what is the life of a man made up of? It's very interesting when you think about it, because what constitutes your life? Three things. And it's actually found in one scripture, the real you. It's found in Matthew 22, verse 37. And Jesus said, so this is the real you. So this is Matthew 22, verse 37. So what constitutes our life? And Jesus says it this way. And Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, one, all thy soul, two, and with all thy mind, three. So when the Bible says, the Lord wants to use your boat. He's talking about the vehicle of your heart, your soul, and your mind, which if any one of them is in disrepair, the Lord will be challenged to do what he wants to do next. And I want you to keep that in mind. And we're going to look at that over the next three weeks. We're going to look at, we're going to look, we're going to break that down. And so let's also realize, so this is what God wants to use. He wants to use your heart, your soul, and your mind, which make up you. And he wants to, you to, he wants to use them as his vehicle. He wants to use your life. He wants you to be his vehicle for what he wants to do. I'll give you an example. Turn with me, please, ladies and gentlemen. Jeremiah 1, verses 1 to 4. Jeremiah 1, verses 1 to 4. And the Bible says the following. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. It also came in, in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the 11th year, year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Verse four is critical. The Bible says, then the word of the Lord came unto me saying. So when God wants to reach into your life, he will send his word. His word will have an impact on three parts of you, your heart, your soul and your mind but let's keep reading because i want you to see that your life is god's vehicle to do something remarkable verse 5 of jeremiah 1 says the following 
before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Meaning, God wanted the nations to have a voice, somebody to speak into their life, so they understood God's will, plan, and purpose. And what does he do? He creates Jeremiah. And he says to Jeremiah, this is what you are here for. This is the reason I made you. And I have, first he says, I knew you. That means I understood who you were. I, I knew exactly what I was making. You are not an accident. You are not here in any way, shape or form by a slip up. You're here deliberately. Then he said, I formed you. That means I've shaped you in, in a very particular way so you can do the job that you're meant to do. And let me pause there for a moment just to clarify this for you before we let's take our death. Sorry, let me pause there for a moment. And let's take our declaration and then I'll continue. And so let's take our declaration. Oh, Lord, we are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves and we pray. We seek your face. We turn from our wicked ways. Hear from heaven, Lord, forgive our sins and heal our land. In Jesus's name, we pray. Then let's all declare together. We declare that our land is healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so here we go. The Lord wants a prophet to come to Jerusalem, to come to the Judah at the turning of their seasons, which are critical. He says to Jeremiah, I've made you for a particular season and a particular time. I have equipped you. That's what it means to sanctify. Sanctify means to prepare for a task. And what I want you to realize, notice the Bible says God transfers all of this information by his word. So God's word is not received by Jeremiah's body. That's not the case. God's word is received by Jeremiah's heart. It is processed by Jeremiah's soul and mind, and it creates a picture in Jeremiah's life through his mind and his imagination. So we realize, ladies and gentlemen, when God wants to change your life or when God wants to put himself into your life, his focus is your heart, your soul, and your mind. So ladies and gentlemen, if we put two and two together, that says, if we think about the image of the boat being repaired, what are we getting into a right condition? It is our heart, our soul, and our mind, which will allow God to do what he has planned and thus causing the results that he has planned to become part of your world. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to, to keep in mind is this. Peter's boat was in good condition. That means when Jesus shows up and says, I need your boat, Peter was ready to respond. And that will cause his moment to show up. And that's what shows up from there. So ladies and gentlemen, what you begin to realize is Jesus comes to Peter and he says, let me use your boat. 
The only reason this discussion can continue is because Peter's boat is in good condition. And so ladies and gentlemen, over the next few weeks, we're going to look at repairing our boats. That means we're going to look at the repair of our hearts, our souls, and our minds, because that's the vehicle of who we are. And so that's where we're going to start. That's where we're going to start. Now, notice what changes Peter's life. Jesus sits in the boat. He uses the boat to teach, but then the turning point comes. And I, I really want, this is, this is what I want you to please hold on to, because your turning point is about, is, has come. Not that it's about to come. Your turning point has come. And the reason is this. Notice what Jesus did to literally move Peter from one phase of life to another. What did he do? He said something. Verse four. Now, when he had left speaking, that means he had stopped teaching the crowd. Jesus said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. So ladies and gentlemen, we realize that when God wants to introduce a new season into your life, as we heard so eloquently on Sunday and over the last few days, God will speak into your life. And so ladies and gentlemen, what I would like to say, I would like to present to you is this. God has spoken into your life. What happens next? We have a part to play in. God has spoken. He has said, and you can go over the scriptures. God has, and it was the, the reason that I, I, I want to bring this up is this. Let me read to you what the Lord said to us two years ago. Um, and I'll run over that. Isaiah 43, verses 18 to 19. This is what the Lord said. Said, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Ladies and gentlemen, the speaker on Sunday articulated that so eloquently and he had no idea that that was the word of God over our lives over the last two years. He had no idea what the Lord has said last year. Even he had no idea that the Lord has said, this is a new season launch out into the deep, but he articulated it. And so ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to understand is the Lord is speaking from heaven. This is why it is important to make sure the vehicle of God's word, the vehicle of God's word is in good condition, our hearts, our souls, and our minds, okay? Now, the beautiful thing about the Bible, and so what we're going to start with is we're going to start with the heart, and so we're going to look at the condition of the heart, and when we say we're going to look at the condition of the heart, Jesus lays it out for us. Um, I'm going to read Mark 4. I'm actually, I'll, I'll read through Mark 4. The reason I'm going to Mark 4 is this. Mark 4, although it's, it's the parable of the sower, which is, which is wonderful. So we're going to read Mark 4. In Mark 4, Jesus lays out 
the step, the four states of a human heart. That means as we look at the, your heart tonight, your heart is going to be in one of these states. The reason I said that is if your heart is not in the right state, even though your promise comes, it can easily be missed. No matter who, even though, even though God comes and he says something to you, if you and I don't believe what he says, what he says won't come to pass, not because there's not enough power. It's as, it will be as simple as somebody buying a lamp, putting it all together, putting the bulb in, putting the whole thing together and not plugging it in. That doesn't mean the lamp is defective. It just means we have not done all that is necessary to make sure it works. So let's see what Jesus says about the state of our heart. And I'll try, I'll read. I will not necessarily rush this. I will, I will read um, quite patiently just to make it clear, but I'm not going to break it all down as I would normally. So Jesus explains, this is the parable of the sower. And I will start from verse one, Mark four, verse one. And the Bible says the following, and he began again to teach by the seaside and there was gathered unto him a great multitude so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. L let me pause for a moment, ladies and gentlemen, let me pause for a moment. The reason I'm pausing is this. The Holy Spirit lays, laid something on my heart that I need to clarify the fact that even if God speaks and we don't believe it, it can be hampered or stopped. Uh, and so I'm going to break that down before I go on. Come with me, please, to Luke 1. Luke 1, and I'm going to read because I, I need to, this is, we've got three weeks to do this, so there's no rush. Luke 1. And I'm going to read from verse 5, Luke 1, 5. And there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. And the Bible says they were blameless. That means there was nothing wrong. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren. And they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office, um, what, before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Let me just roll that up. Okay. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. Verse 11, and there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zachariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. And the angel said unto him, fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer. Now pause for a moment. He says, for thy prayer is heard. That means I'm not here by accident. I'm here because you have prayed for something. It says, your prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Okay? 
normally you would think, great, everything should work out. And the Bible says, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. And then the angel continues. And the angel said, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zacharias said unto the angel. Notice what he says next. He says, whereby shall I know this? Then he says the following, for I am an old man and my wife is well stricken in years. Pause. He's praying for something. It's not only did God send a word, God sends an angel. The angel articulates that what you have been praying for is here. What you've asked for has come. This is the details. This is what's going to happen. And it's nothing out of the ordinary because you're going to have a child. You're married. You'll have a wife. You will have a child. It's in the normal course of things. But notice what Zachariah said. He said, how will I know that what you're saying is true? Basically, what he was saying is, I don't believe you. The interesting thing was this was at the turning of the seasons. The plans of God depended on John the Baptist showing up before Jesus. And Zacharias was about to gun it down with doubt. That, ladies and gentlemen, how easy it is to miss what God has been sent or God sends to do what you ask. And so I repeat, your word has come. For those of you that didn't hear the service on Sunday, if you want to watch it on YouTube, listen to any one of the services, first or second service, and drink in the fact that God sent someone to articulate exactly what we're praying for what he has said and to reconfirm it. And let me say this over your life. And I say this carefully, your word has come. This is your season, but this is how close Zacharias came to losing it. But notice what happens next. And, and, I'll, and I'll keep going. And the Bible says, and the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. And I'm sent to speak unto thee, to show you these glad tidings. I'm at verse 19 of Luke 1. He said, behold, thou shalt be dumb and not be able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. Pause for a moment. God said, I'm not going to give you the ability to gun this down. You are not going to spread your doubt or go home and, and tell your wife, you know what, an angel came, but I don't believe the angel. I'm not going to give you a chance to talk to anybody. I'm not, I am going to silence you so that the doubt that is living on your inside doesn't go any further. God said, I'm going to help you. I'm, I love you and I'm going to help your faith. So I'm going to do something physically 
so that you know that this is me. And, and the rest of the story is history. He goes home, he can't speak, his wife does get pregnant, she has the baby only until they come to the naming ceremony and John the Baptist is named as John that Zachariah can speak. And he then really, 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 really kicks in. He begins to prophesy, unleashes it, and he says some wonderful things. But ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to, to realize, it is very possible that when God sends a word to you, we have a part to play and we can gun it down. So if Zacharias had not believed, it wasn't that God had not shown up to do what he said. It was that a man did not believe what was said. And that would have stopped everything in its tracks. And you may say, well, that would never happen to me. If I saw an angel, there's no way that will happen to me. So let me give you a personal testimony just to tell you how easy this is. Because I re sometimes we, we come across as supermen. I was believing God for a car. Um, and this was over about 10 years. I had sown for it. I had given people lifts with my car. I had paid. For, we had sown into buying other people cars. We had prayed. We had sown breakthrough offerings. We had sown the different events, different words. You know, God will do this for you. Come to the point. So for about 10 years, I was believing God for a car. We had other cars, but I was believing God for a car. One particular year just before my 49th birthday, my wife asked me that, what kind of car do you want? And my wife doesn't like, is not, when it comes to cars, she's not, she's not passionate about them like I am. And I thought, well, you know, I, I'd worked it out. Long story, I'd worked out that, you know, I want an Audi Q7 for a very simple reason. And because I wanted to be able to ferry not just my children, but two, two other children who didn't have fathers to and from school. And I said, Lord, a Q7 works. And my wife said, okay, no problem. She said, what color? I said, black. She said, okay, no problem. My wife also is not wired for deceit. It's not, <laughs> she's not. So I sat and I looked, I went back, I went back downstairs, I left the matter. And I said to myself, they're going to buy me a car. Between you and I, and my personal assistant at that time, I'm not sure whether she's on the call, Uzo, knows how deeply this was. I was too terrified to articulate it to anyone but God for fear of God. This is actually going to happen. And so what I want you to realize and in all sense, so I just kept quiet. I said, I'm not going to kill it. I'm not, I'm, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to walk around saying, ah, oh, God's, they're going to buy me a car. I sent it, I sent it, I sent it. No, 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 no. I was so shocked that, wait, what I have prayed for is about to happen to me. Three months went by. I come to my 49th birthday. It's not my 50th, it's my 49th birthday. And my, oh, you know what? There's a party planned for you at um, your sister-in-law's house. Ah, no, I said, no problems. I, I, 
in my mind, I said, wait a minute, this never happens. But I just kept quiet. I get there, they wait for me, and I see people that I wouldn't normally. I say, ah, you know, I see a bunch of people. I walk out of the door after 15 minutes, and they have wrapped or put a massive bow on the car I drive now. I, it took me, and I'm going to be, I want you so that you know that this is a battle. I got the car December the 7th on my 49th birthday. I actually came round to believing that this car was mine about a year later, that wait, I'm not dreaming. And so ladies and gentlemen, what I'm saying is, let's not belittle the fact that believing God is easy because if you've had years of and we're going to talk about that years of failures slip-ups near misses it builds a picture on your inside that if given voice can cause us to turn away when god says here's your way out so let me speak over your life prophetically the Bible says in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 20, that let every voice be silent because the Lord is in his holy temple. Concerning you, let every other voice apart from God's will, let it be silent. Because God has stepped into your matter to change your life. And I, what I, the reason that I'm speaking like this now, I'm being this vulnerable, is I want you to know that this is not easy. And what happened to, what happened to Zachariah can happen to any one of us, any one of us. And so the reason tonight really matters, and I'm very excited about it, is that the Lord has spoken. All the resources of heaven have been released. God has confirmed and confirmed and confirmed. But ladies and gentlemen, it's now down to us to respond in a particular way that will cause the next phase of the miracle to happen. And so ladies and gentlemen, I want you to, to hold on and I want you to really, really hold on really hold on i will answer your questions um, i will i'm not going to rush i will answer your questions and so what i want you to realize ladies and gentlemen tonight we're going to look at the state of the heart the reason the heart is so important is with your heart you believe and it, it is so so important but if our hearts are in one of the bruised battered or broken states that jesus limited or hampered states that jesus articulates in mark 4 when the word of prophecy, the word of declaration, the word of faith, the word of the almighty God comes, it's very easy for what God says concerning you not to show up. And so that really is my focus tonight. And I wanted to, I, but I wanted, because sometimes we can come across as supermen and I don't want that, I don't want that picture. No, no, no. You, you will get this, but God will help us through it. So if, if we're all together, um, 
Habakkuk 2 verse 20, Habakkuk 2 20. Um, that is the, that's the scripture I, I quoted from. If we're all together now, let's go to Mark 4. Um, and I'll read quite quickly. Well, I'll read. And the Bible says, and he began to again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30 and some 60 and some 100. And he said unto them, he that hath ears, let him hear. And when he was alone, they were that were about him with the 12 asked him of the parable. And he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. That seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing that they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sin should be forgiven them. Verse 13. And he said unto them, know ye not this parable? How then will you know all parables? Verse 14. He begins to break down what he's saying. And the Bible says the following, the sower soweth the word. That means, and I, I, I won't preach or break this down too far, but please understand, when God wants to get a harvest to you, he does not change his method. He will invariably give you his word, invariably. He will invariably give you his word. He will, invariably invariably he'll give you his word and so jesus says the sower sows the word so the bridge between god and your next season is the word he's going to sow into your heart as he has been doing for the last two years please take those words seriously okay verse 15 and these are they by the wayside now this is please i'll, I'll break this down slowly and these are they by the wayside this is the first state where the word is sown but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown into their heart. So pause for a moment. Notice, when God speaks to you, it invariably goes into your heart. So when God speaks, the first place that God is focused on when he wants to get something into your life is your heart. And he says, if that if there's a challenge there then everything i want to do is going to be hampered everything i want to do is going to be hampered and so the bible says that the word is sown first and foremost into your heart so let's also and i'll take my time here please come with me and i will come back to mark 4 15 i will come back there but come with me to proverbs 4 20 and I'm going to read from 20 to 23. Proverbs 4, let's go to Proverbs 4 and we'll go to verse 20. And I'm going to read from 20 to 23. Now this is, the, the, um, this is Solomon speaking. It says, my son, 
Attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Verse 22. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So the, um, Solomon, writing down what David, his father, told him, says the focus is your heart, that out of your heart are the issues of life. So this is why the heart is so important. Second scripture I want you to hold on to. There is 1 Samuel 16. Now, please turn to verse 7. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. Now, just read um, one verse. And the Bible says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, speaking about Jesse's sons, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. So you realize, um, you realize, so that was, okay, you realize that focus of the Lord is your heart. And that's where the word of God goes first. That's where it goes. It goes to your heart, not to your mind. So let me give you the scriptures. Um, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. And the beautiful thing about doing Bible study, Proverbs 4, 20 to 23. Okay, there we go. Um, and then for those of you that are still trying to work out what I said earlier, um, Habakkuk 2, 20. That's the one on silence. So ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to realize is the focus when God sends his word to you, the first place he focuses is your heart. So the condition of your heart is critical to the word of God coming to pass in your life. The reason that's so important now is because you have a prophetic word over your life. God has declared that this is a new season for you. God has declared that he wants you to launch out into the deep. God has declared that this is a new day dawning for you. And all these things are going to your heart. God has no intention of you ending this year the same way you started it. None at all. He has no intention. No intention. You will invariably be better. I didn't say you will get everything you want, but you will be further down the line to where your miracle is waiting for you. Because he might be working on preparing you for something as well as causing your miracle to show up and so we're going to talk about that in a moment well not, not necessarily today because of time so come with me please ladies and gentlemen back to mark 4 verse 15 and so let's look at the states of the heart verse 15 the bible says the first state of the heart is the rocky state and the bible says the word is sown or, or, or the hard state, the, the, like the pathway. The word is sown and the Bible says, 
Satan comes and he steals away. That's the first state. It's where your heart is. It's called wayside, where your heart is trodden down by circumstances, situations, or experiences that say to you, God's word can't come to pass. And so what I want you to realize is, ladies and gentlemen, there is a solution to each one of the states of the heart. And we're going to look at them. We're going to look at them one by one. So that's the first one. So is your heart like a wayside? That means it's pressed down. Think about a pathway. A pathway in those days was not necessarily laid. It was where everybody walked. And so it's repetitive, where there's been repetitive series of failures, repetitive series of things happening to you that have built into your mind that this is how life is. Please hear me well. The Lord's about to break that for you. But we're going to come to that. But please have hope. So first one. So let's go to verse 16. And the Bible says, and these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. And so endure for a time afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. So the first state, the Satan steals it. The word doesn't come to pass. Second state, which Jesus calls rocky, persecution and tribulation come. And the person is what we call offended. And the Bible says it doesn't come to pass. I'm going to go through all four and then we'll go back as far as we can to answer. We, we may break these down next week. So let's go to the third one. And the Bible says, uh, now I'm at verse 18. And he says, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches and the loss of other things choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. So in three states, the word of God comes. That means God expected a harvest. And three times out of four, the harvest doesn't show up, all because of the condition of the person's heart. Now listen to verse 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Pause. So that means if your heart is good ground, the word that is sent to you will come to pass. And what God wants to happen will happen. And so, ladies and gentlemen, the focus, the first thing we want to look at, or not the first thing, the thing we want to look at tonight is key. The question we need to answer is, so if my heart is one of the states that would cause the word not to come to pass, can it change? The answer is a categorical yes. And this is what I want you to remember. Yes, it may look like it's dark and you may be facing a situation where the word of God looks like it's impossible. But God says, I can work on your heart. Your heart is well within the range of God healing. That means restoring to an original state. So before we go through 
the four solutions, which I actually, because I want to go through those patiently, I'm probably going to move those to next week. But let me start by saying this, or just begin to bring this to a close by saying this. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah 61. And I'm going to read from verse one. And the Bible says the following. The spirit, this is, the Bible says, the spirit of the Lord God, Isaiah 61 verse one, is upon me because the Lord has sent me, has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Notice what did God say he would do to the brokenhearted? That means if your heart is in any one of those broken states, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord God, which rests on Jesus Christ, will cause the anointing of God to heal your heart. And the process begins tonight. And so this is the first thing. So we have hope. We know that God can heal hearts. That's what he does. We know that there's no part of you that God cannot heal. He cannot restore to an original state. So be encouraged. So what we want to look at, so we've got about nine minutes. So let's run through a couple of things. So let's look at the first one, which is the wayside. To say that your heart is trodden down. Solution. Turn in with me in your Bible to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4, 12. The Bible says the following. The Bible says, for the word of God is quick and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Notice Isaiah 61 speaks of an anointing. Hebrews 4.12 speaks of the word of God as the instrument of that anointing, where the word of God, the promise spoken, will pierce whatever has been formed in your heart, no matter how difficult it may be. And the Bible says it separates soul and spirit. And so the way to heal if your heart is weighed down, is that God by, will lay on his word an anointing, the anointing to heal. He will bring his word to life. And this is, you may say, well, how's that going to work? All God has to do is bring one part of his word alive and all of a sudden freedom comes. And so ladies and gentlemen, don't lose hope. As you go into this week, specifically if your heart is trodden down and you've had a series of systematic failures, what will God do? He's going to 
lay an anointing. The Bible says the spirit of the Lord God has anointed me too. And the anointing is going to make possible the healing of your heart. What's the anointing going to do? It's going to sit on the vehicle of God's word and it's going to pierce. Now, when I say pierce, that means it doesn't matter what resistance it faces. It's going to find a way in and it's going to free you to believe. And so this is something I want you to hold on to. So there is hope. So what's the first way? It's an anointing where you consistently present the word of God. Now, this is what I want you to do. As you begin to find the promise that concerns whatever you're believing God for, no matter how many times you've, it's failed, no matter how many times it's slipped up, we join our faith together that this week, as you go into the word of God, an anointing will come upon the word of God that will change the way you see things. Now, you may say that, oh, let's, so what do I have to do? Come with me to Hosea 4.12. I apologize. Hosea 10.12. The Bible says the following, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. So what is that verse saying in simplicity? It's saying, sow to yourself, so specifically plant the word of God that you want to come to pass. Specifically plant it in your heart. How? Say it. Read it meditate on it, confess it, act on it. What does that do? It plants that specific thing into your heart. So that means find the word and sow it deliberately. Let me give you an example. And and I won't turn there, but I'll give you the reference. It's found in, in Mark 5, reading from verses 25 to 35. The woman with the issue of blood, Throughout her time seeking Jesus, she said to herself what she wanted to see happen. And by the time she found Jesus, the word had become a part of her. And Jesus called that faith. So what I want you to do, ladies and gentlemen, if you're facing a season of repetitive changes, the this week, this particular season, find a promise. And I'm not find, don't find two, find one. And say, God, this is what I want you to do for me. Whatsoever it is, this is what I want you to do for me. This is what I'm believing God for. And begin to read it. Maybe print it, put it on a a sticker so you see it every morning. Begin to say it. Begin to confess it. Begin to meditate on it. That means imagine it. Begin to study it. Find out what else is said around the promise. But most of all, begin to act on it. Just begin to literally believe. This week, as you do so, the anointing that will create healing, that will get the word into the right place in your heart, will kick it. And that's how Jesus deals with the wayside. He anoints his word and it finds its way into your heart. And, and we know this to be true because if we saw it during the pursuit of God, some of the 
the this is who God is testimonies. Those were anointed words and they hit the spot like never before. So will it be for you this week. And this is just the first one. We'll deal with all the other three next week. But ladies and gentlemen, we're coming to the end of tonight. Um, we're coming to the end and I'm going to stop there. We're coming to the end of tonight. And so what I want you to do is I want you to hold on. There are a couple of questions we've got. Um, let me read one. It says, the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. How do you bring your heart back to life after your hope has been deferred or you have been disappointed a few times? I hope that I've helped a bit. Literally take the word, reapply it. And this is also what I want you to hold on to. The anointing will make the difference. The word of God is not going to fail. The Bible says it is quick and powerful, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It will sepa separate. Please hear me well. Separate soul and spirit. It will free your heart to believe again, and that will bring it in. Um, we've got, uh, let me, I have a, had a couple of questions. So hopefully that answers that question. The next question is, um, okay, I agree with you in terms of believing. Sometimes it's hard. However, doesn't God show mercy to cause his will to prevail? Yes, he does. Absolutely. God does show mercy. He does. And you can ask for it. But this is what I want you to realize. Take a look at everybody that obtained mercy. They had to call out to God and say, this is what I know about you. This is who you are. Go ahead and ask him for mercy. If that's the word you're holding on to, that God, you will have mercy wheresoever you will have mercy, then please hold on to that promise. He does show mercy. And it will be, it will come through his word. Okay. So be encouraged about that. God does show mercy. He's not a cruel taskmaster. Okay. I have one more. Can I ask a question? Um, when you say our boats need to be repaired, the boats being our hearts and minds, in terms of things that can make our hearts not ready, could one of these things be fear? Could fear prevent this? Let me agree with you that, let me explain that. Fear, ladies and gentlemen, is the belief that God will not come through. And next week, we will clearly explain how fear can be built into somebody's heart. It's never accidental. It's always introduced. So, yes, fear can be there. But notice, fear is always pushed out when you are walking in faith and when you are walking in love. And so we'll deal with that next week. Ladies and gentlemen, we've run out of time tonight. Um, I join my faith with yours. I really believe for a very special week and a special week for you in the word of God. No matter the state of your heart, ladies and gentlemen, God is going to heal it and the word of God will come to pass in your life. May God bless you and may God keep you. Have a wonderful week, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you next week. If you have any questions, please send them in and we'll go from there. God bless you, ladies and gentlemen. Have a wonderful evening.